Hi, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Friday Reporter Podcast. I'm Lisa, your host, and this podcast is in partnership with PR Daily. PR Daily is a great resource for communicators like me. I drop in there to get my training, to get more information about what's going on in the industry, and really just to learn more about what my colleagues are up to as well. So to find more episodes of the podcast, please join me there at prdaily.com or uh, join me at the website, which is fridayreporter.com. And if you like the show, be sure to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, because that really helps get the word out about the podcast and the work that we're doing here to get you guys to know more about the reporters that cover your industry. Well, thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Friday Reporter Podcast. Today is a huge treat. I get to talk to one of my favorite friends who's no longer inside the district. He's down in Arkansas doing other great and fun things. My good friend and colleague, Brian Adams, is the co-host of a podcast called Caught Looking, a college baseball podcast. But what makes this conversation so fun is that Brian and I started our careers together uh, what feels like, well, just a few weeks ago. It wasn't that long ago now, was it? Um, but we now are only creative. about 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> only is it all? Is that all it is? Yeah, that's and, about it. Um, I am just I'm just so proud of you. you. You've got this great new interesting podcast that is just exploding. You're getting a ton of attention and a lot of great conversations going. Brian, thank you so much for being with me. Oh, it's such an honor to be with you, Lisa. I'm one of my favorite people to talk to, and have been for a long time. And it's such an honor to be uh, to be included in the Friday Reporter. Well. I was so excited to see you start this podcast and so excited to see that in just a few short months, over a thousand downloads, lots of folks paying attention. I know this is really the busy season when folks are making their announcements and their decisions about where they're going to go. But talk to me a little bit about the concept behind the podcast. Tell me a little bit about the guys that you're working with to produce this great program and talk to me a little bit about how it came together. Yeah, so um, I'm a 41-year-old baseball fan. And um, I have I grew up in a, a family of, of, of baseball fans. I, I was I was not a good baseball player. In fact, I was a, a terrible baseball player. <laughs> My older brother played college baseball, and so I literally from the time who, he's ten years older than me, mm-hmm. and from from the time I was in uh, in diapers, you know, I was at the at the ballpark, you know, playing with my matchbox car, matchbox cars in the dirt. And uh, so I've just been around it all my life. And um, though I was, you know not the player. I've just, I've always been a fan. Um, and then of course, you know, when, when, when I was living in, in Washington and lived on, on the Hill and, and, you know, a lot of times, you know, this well, Lisa, after work, I would, you know, get off, off, uh, they are there at first and D Southeast and, and in my suit and I would walk down to the ballpark and, and go sit in the sweltering Washington DC heat and uh, the cheap seats and yep. eat a half smoke and, and drink a cheap beer and, and yep. watch the nationals play. Yeah. Um, but uh, in any event, uh, my older brother's son, my nephew, uh, was a Division One college baseball player at uh, the University of Mississippi, the Ole Miss Rebels. Uh-huh. And um, I spent a lot of time uh, away from home uh, when they were kids and they were growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have that relationship kind of with, with these people in my family that I wanted to have. And But this baseball thing was something that we had in common. So really the way that it all came to be, Lisa, was – a way for me to hang out with my nephew. I love um, that. I wanted to hang out with my nephew more, and uh, and I knew that we could talk about baseball. So that's sort of how it came together, or that's how it was conceived. And mm-hmm. then one of his best friends uh, is a guy named Hunter Doucette, who's from Beaumont, Texas. Mm-hmm. And Hunter was a manager on the team there at Ole Miss, uh, who you know has sort of a ended up kind of 
working his way into the coaching field. Mm -hmm. And so um, there's a huge, uh, in college baseball, there are a couple of different summer leagues that the best players go go play at. Okay. Most people are most familiar with the Cape Cod League there in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's really, you know, 1A in terms of quality. And 1B is the Northwoods League, which is in uh, Wisconsin. Okay. And uh, so... Hunter was a manager at Ole Miss and like the head manager in charge of all the logistics, you know, moving all the stuff from, you know, from their baseball facility to Long Beach, California for a, a series, for instance. Oh, wow. Um, and then sort of ended up, uh, you know, of course, he you know, was a player and, 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 you know, really sort of studied under the, um, uh, the coaches there, Coach Mike Bianco, Coach Carl Lafferty, mm -hmm. uh, and Coach, uh, Coach, uh, Coach Clement, Clement, Coach Clement, Mike Clement. Um, and, Ended up with an opportunity to coach, uh, be a hitting coach for the Fond du Lac Dock Spiders uh, in the Northwoods League. Uh, and then parlayed that to a coaching job at Lamar University in Beaumont, his hometown. So uh, he spent a year as, as, a, as a coach for, for the Lamar Cardinals and, uh, down there. Uh, but as you know, a young coach probably doesn't get paid very much. And uh, yeah. so... Hunter had to, to move on to something where he could make a little bit more money and support his family as he's getting ready to get married. So, um, we kind of got together and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's talk baseball." And so that's how called looking. Oh, I love it. Well, and and it's what we do uh, during our pastime anyway. We sit down and sit down over a cup of coffee or a cold beer, and we talk about the teams that we love. What's so interesting to me about the podcast is that having teenage children myself, I've watched them play sports. I've watched uh, the announcement days. I've watched people sort of make those decisions, and I've seen just how incredibly competitive. Uh, college ball is in general but when you mm -hmm. talk about d1 i mean that is really sort of next level competition that is just it's it's just um well it's like a, a foreign language and and it really does take a lot of translation it takes a lot of uh folks like yourself like hunter um like your nephew to, to really sort of help you guys um translate for these athletes and their families what it is is necessary to really sort of compete on this level and be in the right place at the right time um just to make sure that they're making the team and doing the things that they want to do in order to advance yeah, and, and that's one thing that we take seriously, right? Um, so um, my nephew Jacob has a, has a kind of an unusual story. He was committed to play baseball for the University of Arkansas here uh, where I live in Fayetteville, Arkansas, mm -hmm. and kind of went through a rough patch uh, you know, as, as his high school career was coming to an end, and uh, his offer was pulled uh, by oh, the university. Wow. And, you know, a, a kid from Arkansas, you know, we don't have any pro sports here in our state. And, mm -hmm. you know, the Razorbacks are a really big deal. And, um, you know, I still remember the day that he got his offer. I was in Vail, Colorado, standing on the, the covered bridge and on Bridge Street and broke out in tears, you I know. Um, and um, you know, so it, it's a really big deal. But, you know, that for whatever reason, you know, I'm sure the coaches had the reason, but they pulled his offer. And so he ended up at, uh, at, at, uh, in junior college at Crowder college in the Osho, Missouri. Hmm. And, um, and then, you know, continued to play well there, you know, helped lead his team to the uh, junior college world series out in grand junction, Colorado. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, you know, sort of got an offer from, uh, from Ole Miss and that just goes uh, to show that there really isn't there. any direct path like that's and great for Jacob because obviously it yeah, worked out in right. his favor, but yeah, that's right. And, and that's really one thing that we like to talk about, uh, you know, when we have, when we have different people on, we just recently had on a, a guy named Alante Wingate, 
uh, who played, uh, who finished his career at Texas A&M. He didn't play a ton, but um, he was um, he was given an award from uh, you know from the team uh, as the you know, sort of the the, uh, you know, the leader of the team or the I, 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 forgive me for not being able to remember the name of the reward, but of the yeah, award. Okay. But it was the you know he was the he was the glue guy essentially, yeah. right? And and he had such an interesting story. He started off at the University of Houston. They told him he wasn't good enough to play there. He went to junior college. Wow. You know, the coaches from Texas A&M came to see someone else who was on his team, saw him, you know, they, and, and he ends up at A&M and, you know, ends up, you know, getting, you know, getting part of his school paid for to, you know, to, to play at wow. you know, a hugely prestigious university. So um, that's one thing we want to focus on is, is, you know, being a resource for, for people to know that, you know, I think with youth sports, I mean, there's such a, you know, people are so focused on winning and, and winning is important, right? But a couple of things, one, we have to learn how to lose. We don't always win. And I think You're right about that. there's something to be said for that, like in the environment that we live in today, mm-hmm. like, you know what, we don't always win. We have to accept a loss and realize that there are ways that we can get better and we can improve. And then maybe we don't lose next time. Mm-hmm. And then more than that, like success is not a straight line. Um, you know, so there are, um, you know, there are many paths to success and, you know, we want to be a a, a conduit for, uh, for families and for developing players to, to understand that there are stories of success that, that, that take you to places that you probably didn't foresee yourself. Definitely not. Definitely not. And I think that that's, that's so encouraging. I think, I love what you say about, about yourself because there are so many athletes like you and me who played a lot of ball and (laughs) didn't end up going to college to play, um, but enjoyed it and enjoyed the sport. And, and even from the time that you and I were playing to now, there is this, um, like a full immersion to the level where you meet a lot of kids that, that reach the point in high school where they've had enough, yeah. And they don't go on because of that youth sport sort of oversaturation and over, yeah. um, you know, just sort of over programming that really sort of sours them from the whole process. What do you, what do you take away from that? Like, what kinds of advice do you give to to athletes? Because I think your point about losing is also tremendously important. Yeah. Well. Uh... You know, advice to athletes. I may not be the correct guy to ask, but you know, I spent some time talking with them. But I'm certainly not much of much of one. I was a middling high school football player at best. But um, you know, when you talk to these, you know, these coaches at, at the higher levels, um, and they talk about you know kids that they're you know they're recruiting kids younger and younger these days, and that's just sort yeah. of the nature of college athletics. But you know, when you when you really sit down and talk to one of these coaches, they'll tell you that you know they don't want a kid who has only played baseball at their baseball coach, or mm-hmm. only has only played football at their football coach. Yeah. They want a kid who has you know, uh, you know, has played basketball or football. You know, they want a kid who who does multiple things. One, it shows their athleticism. Two, you know, it gives them uh, different skills. You know, like a, a football player is going to develop you know, footwork playing basketball. Sure. Uh, it's going to develop hand-eye coordination playing baseball. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it's great to, it's great to continue to improve it in, in one sport if you focus on it. But I think, you know, look, sports at a young age are about having fun and learning to compete and learning to be a part of a team. Yes. And, um, and I think we, we may maybe sometimes put too much, uh, too much pressure on, on kids to, you know, you got to do this to get this D one scholarship and it's just BS. Yeah, no. And I love that. And I love that. I love that. That's the way you guys have, have built this in a way to sort of offer those different points of view. Um, every week you come together with it. How often are you uh, producing episodes? How are you coming together with ideas for content? Tell me a little bit about your process. 
Yeah, so um, <laughs> we're a little by the seat of our pants at the moment. <laughs> Who is that? Uh, yeah. No, so uh, we're very new. And, um, you know, we started during the, the season, and, and that certainly gives you a, a framework of things to talk about. But that's a grind, man. Um, you know, I am a busy person. I work 55, 60 hours a week, as I'm sure, you know, Lisa, you probably work a lot harder than I do. But, um, you, you know, I don't get to watch all the games that I want to watch. You know, I yeah. maybe get to watch a couple of games a week, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and the same with those guys as well. It's just, you know, it's hard to fit it all in. So, you know, it has to, you know, it has to be something that you like to follow and, and like to enjoy. And so, I, you know, we aggregate. We aggregate things with, you know, through social media and, and, and get as much, you know, sort of high level overviews of things as we can. What kinds of things um, do you, that's a good point. Cause we are so busy. What kinds of things, like if you're interested in baseball, if you're following baseball, like what is your, do you have a must read? Is there something you like when you yeah, wake up in the morning, yeah. you're interested in? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's a website called d1baseball.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kendall Rogers and Aaron fit are the guys who, who run, run D1 baseball. I've not had the opportunity to meet or talk to them or, or even you know, <laughs> DM or whatever, yeah, but yeah. Um, the, I mean, they're the go-to. They're, they are the site. Um, their their coverage is incredible. It's in depth. They have great podcast. I mean, from from soup to nuts, they have everything you want, and they are That's an incredibly awesome. valuable resource for me as I prepare for a show. I bet. Um, and uh, so, shout out Kendall and Aaron if you're listening to this. Thank you so much. You don't even know how much help you are to me. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, but. You know, so right now, you know, we're we're very much focused on sort of getting through the season, and this is the busy part, right? Like we're down to the, you know, the equivalent of the Final Four in basketball. You know, okay. we're at the College World Series, so mm-hmm. um, it's it's a big time uh, in, in the sport that we we cover and we care about. Um, as we get out of this, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time, you know, having a little more fun and, and probably talking to some more guests. Uh, one one that I'm very excited about. My wife is not much of a sports fan, uh, but she's a brilliant woman. And she always has the best questions. So we're going to do an episode about uh, questions about baseball from a non-baseball fan. A non-baseball fan. fan. So, I love that. So, and so, you know, it's going to be sort of uh, irreverent a little bit. Like, I think one of the questions that she has is, whose fault is a foul ball, the pitcher or the catcher, or the pitcher or the batter? Oh, you know? so, interesting. You know, just, yeah, we're going to play around with some stuff like that. But more than that, we're going to talk with some coaches, and we're going to talk with some players, you know, from, from all levels, high school, junior college, D1. Uh, you know, just about, you know, what their, you know, what their leadership philosophies are and how, you know, we just want to give people an insight into really what we want to do. I think as a person who's been a fan of college sports for a long time in a place that's completely college sports obsessed, <laughs> um, there's, there's so much desire to see what goes on behind the curtain. I bet. And, and so we want to sort of pull the curtain back a little bit so people can get a kind of an idea for what the daily life of an athlete or a coach or a manager is like. And, uh, and it's all led by me, a fan, right? So I, like, I want to know this. I want to know the same things that my listeners want to know. Well, and because you understand your audience, you're looking for the same, you have the same curiosity, like same level of curiosity, same kinds of questions, which I think makes for great content because you know your audience well, because you yourself are someone who's a consumer of this information. It's just a great yeah. way to be. Um, but also you're right. I mean, it is, it's a little bit, it's kind of like pulling the curtain back on how politics is done, right? It's just sort of That's the right. same kind of thing when you've worked behind the scenes. 
you can give people a sense of how that's done. Same is true for, for how the process comes together. And I have to believe that it's different for everyone, right? I mean, you're mm-hmm. going to talk to coaches who have wildly different philosophies, right? Sure. Each school is very different and each approach and each program probably takes a very different tack and, and, and approach right. to how they do the work. And in and, and a sport like college baseball, which is, you know, it, 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 for most schools, it, it, there are maybe a, a dozen schools around the country where it's a revenue generating sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are varying levels of, of budgets. The really interesting thing is that, uh, you know, a, a, a college baseball program gets 11.7 scholarships to, wow. uh, to dole out uh, in, in total, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's not a, and, and that's it's really interesting to hear from a coach too, right? It is is how they sort of divvy up this very small pie yes. to you know forty or fifty kids. I have to ask. This is sort of an innocent question, but also under the guise of like someone who understands baseball, but just enough. How many of these Division One players go on to the majors? Like, what is that? What is that very translation? Few. Very, very few. Very few. Yeah. Um, you know, so. And, and each sort of school and conference is different, right? Like mm-hmm. we primarily talk about the Southeastern conference, you know, that's where those, those guys played. Uh, you know, that's where that's the footprint that we live in. That's sure. the stuff that we see most often. Frankly, it's the easiest, uh, it's the easiest content to consume because, you know, those schools have the most money to invest. They have the highest production values, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's it's the low hanging fruit, frankly, right. you know, right. and you know I pick up some stuff from maybe Stanford out on the West Coast or mm-hmm. um, you know uh, Maryland. Even you know they had a great season this year, and yeah. so you know you, you pick up some of that stuff. But uh, generally speaking, you know it's the stuff that we're close to. Um, but you know in the SEC, you know this is it's the Power Conference, right? right. And um, you know they say a lot of guys will say that you know when you talk to minor leaguers, they'll tell you that. You know, playing in the SEC is, you know, equivalent to playing somewhere near double A baseball. Really? Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's the that's really a, a lot of guys who, who play professional baseball, you know, double A is as high as a lot of them make it. You know, I work with a guy right now who was a an all Southwestern conference pitcher back in the late eighties and, and mm-hmm. part of uh, uh, part of a uh, Arkansas Razorback college world series team and was, you know, he's a legend here. I mean, he, you know, one of the, the top 10 strikeout guys in, in, in history in the school. It's a, it's a big, we're in Arkansas, a big baseball school. Uh, you know, he made it to double A and, uh, and he was there for a year and washed out. So, wow. um, you know, that's, that's not an unusual story. Not that many guys make it to the show. Yeah. Well, it makes it even more impressive to watch those games and see those guys play, though, too. Uh, At the highest level, there's the the level of athleticism, and people underestimate the difficulty of of what they're doing. Like, if you listen to this, go to YouTube and just, you know, type in, you know, what a 95-mile-an-hour fastball looks like. You know, there'll there'll be somebody who's got a GoPro on, a catcher's (laughs) helmet, and you'll see this thing. It will blow your mind how little time – you know, these guys have to decide if they're going to swing a bat and then try to get it to the it's right spot. To watch. Ball it's hard to watch yeah, JV softball some days. I mean, honestly, <laughs> like we have a couple of ball players in my house and it is hard to watch even just at the local level, like playing in the high school games. I mean, it's tough. Yeah. Um, it's wild. It is really wild. And they, and they make it look easy, um, which is super impressive. Yeah. So, so tell me this. So uh, when you're not podcasting and you're not checking in with the family, what kinds of things are keeping you busy on the weekends? Are you getting to games? Are you going to baseball games? Are you getting out and about? Yeah. So um, my wife and I live, we live eight miles from Ballmwalker Stadium, which is probably one of the uh, you know top 
top five, I would say, you know, college baseball atmospheres in the country. I try to get out there as often as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of weird to say on a podcast, but I've recently lost 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. And um, so it doesn't I, go unnoticed uh, by your friends. You look terrific. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I appreciate that. But um, so I am I'm trying to take up golf again. Uh, oh, and so awesome. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time trying to get a little more fit to play golf and mm-hmm. uh, trying to improve my ball striking and, and uh, become a good golfer. Because I think it's important to you know be able to do that for some business reasons as well. So well, we're going to have to have an I'm offline conversation. My golf game. We're going to have to have yeah. an offline conversation of what's going on in the uh, in the in the world of golf because there's a whole lot of drama happening right now. I see. Yeah, got, yeah. See, you've got your Masters uh, polo yeah, yeah, today. Yeah, right? Masters polo said, today. Shout out, shout out, Sean Reisman. He 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 sent it to me from uh, from Augusta this year. So thanks, oh, Sean. Awesome, awesome. Uh, but yeah, uh, and no, then and then I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, my wife and I have our first child due on September 26th. So I'm that's so obviously a big focus that. at the moment. I bet it is. I'm so excited about that. Well, tell me, okay, as we get to the end of our conversation, number one, this has been so fun for me. Not only do we get to talk a little baseball, but we get to promote this great new podcast you have. Yeah. Tell me, uh, before I let you go, uh, you're down there in a very busy, very exciting uh, state that I've had a chance to visit with. You've taken me to some of the really fun places to to eat and hang out there in your cool state. Talk to me about uh, the journalist, a couple of journalists maybe that you might recommend for a future episode for me. Yeah, so um, people that come to mind are are really some of the guys that probably uh, first off, what comes to mind is is uh, maybe some of the guys at one of our business publications, like Arkansas Business in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a really great publication that does a great job not only of covering business but also covering politics, which of course you know I have an affinity for. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, you know, they really sort of cover it from a through a business lens, and I think that's an interesting perspective because. You know, as we talked about off, offline, Lisa, you know, there's a there's really a nexus between business and politics Absolutely. Uh, that comes together. And, and, and uh, Lance Turner is the editor's name there. And they, and they just do a wonderful job. And, they, uh, you know, they do they do more than just business. I mean, they put out some sort of life, some lifestyle publications as well. Um, duck, they put out an incredibly impressive and award winning duck hunting magazine, oh, wow. which is a huge business here in the state. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I grew up in a town of 2,500 people in Southeast Arkansas in the Delta and tourism is our number two, you know, economic driver, wow. you know, believe it or not, it's an old town. No one's ever heard of. And, mm-hmm. and we, you know, our, our town thrives on, on tourists, people coming into town to, to, to hunt ducks. Uh huh. Interesting. That's great. Um, and then, and, uh, and then one, one other guy I would mention is uh, a former, uh, 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 local CBS affiliate news director here, Larry Henry, mm-hmm. um, who uh, has just some really interesting stories and was a former crime beat reporter for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And oh, awesome. uh, he's uh, he's very interested in uh, sort of the history of organized crime and documenting that. So he might be a fun one to talk to as well. Oh, I love that. I know a Jersey girl like you might be interested in it. <laughs> I may or may not have an interest in that always. Um, but also too, like, as I, as I confessed to you earlier, you know, the podcast started with all of our friends and colleagues that we've worked with here and in, inside of Washington, DC. But the beauty of Washington, DC is that my friends are everywhere. You know, I've got, you guys are down in Arkansas. I've got some friends that are in Georgia and Texas and you, I mean, all of the mm-hmm. States. So I'm really trying to, to, to grow the podcast in a way that we can have conversations with journalists that are in a lot of different places. Cause as you and I both know, the, 
the whole world of journalism has expanded and contracted so much that people are doing different things to create content. And that's why our conversation today was so fun for me, because, you know, this is something it's new for you and me, too. And we're just trying to make it fun and keep keep it interesting. So um, I'm blown away by by the explosion of real journalism on social media now, mm-hmm. Instagram in particular. Yeah, it's and 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 there's a uh, I'm learning more and more about Substack and some of these mm-hmm. other places where people are creating and generating content and information that is just so different. It's challenging the the industry in a way that's that's new and fresh and I hope uh very positive. Well, I hope you'll continue to teach me as you learn more. Well, you teach me stuff every day. Here we are. We're talking on this new platform. I'll tell people all about that next time. Brian yeah. Adams, it's always such a pleasure to see you and chat with you. Thank you so much for your time today. What an honor. Thank you, Lisa. And that's today's Friday Reporter podcast, a podcast in partnership with PR Daily, a tremendous and helpful guide for all things public relations. Find us there on their website and join us again for another episode soon. Thanks so much. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.